What's the scoop around the NBA? Let's find out with the Scoop on Hoops NBA podcast. This is your host, Cody Mallory, back with another episode of the Scoop on Hoops NBA podcast. Today, I am once again joined by my co-host, Joe Farrow. How's it going, man? Dude, it's going good. Uh, Mid-NBA finals right now, so a little bit of a catch-up pod with a lot more series to go. Tied 1-1, so... And a lot going on in the league, clearly, as we're hopping on shortly after some ginormous news. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah, everything's going good, but excited to talk. Nice, man. Yeah, just uh, so it's Wednesday, June 7th, right around 5.30 p.m. on the East Coast. Um, let's jump right into it, Joe, with our What's the Scoop segment. I want to start with all the coaching hirings that happened, and that was the plan until about five minutes ago. Chris I was going to say, I was going to say, there's no way you could hop into that. <laughs> Until Chris Haynes, about five minutes ago, broke the internet by informing all of us that the Phoenix Suns will be waving veteran all-star point guard, well, former all-star point guard, Chris Paul. Wow. <laughs> um, that's a lot to break down. Um, everybody knew that he was, po- it was possible that he would get moved this offseason. Um but a release I didn't really see in the cards, especially now, Cody, I just looked it up. They do owe him $60 million over the next two years. $30.8 million this year and then $30 million next year. Jesus. So, yeah, wild, wild uh, release. I think the last time we saw a release with, like, this much huge money left on a contract was probably Blake Griffin. Mm-hmm. Um. And, I mean, the Pistons obviously have not had much success since that release. It's not like really Blake Griffin in his current state would have helped. But just goes to show you, like, contracts like that, it's it's tough to move off. And it, it limits you a lot, which is why it's just, like, a shocking move. I mean, I doubt anybody would have taken Chris Paul on that $30 million contract. But now I'm sure there's plenty of teams that would be willing to take him on a minimum. Yeah, man. I mean, that's where I want to go with that. So first, I'm shocked because, like you said, he had a big contract and moving him, I mean, they don't really have any picks to attach to him, but moving him would be the easiest way for them to match money in a trade, try to acquire another max player to pair with Durant and Booker and maybe Aiden. See what they do with Aiden. I do know that Frank Vogel, which we'll get into, was hyping up coaching DeAndre Aiden, looking to get back to an all-star. But so I'm shocked. I want to say that came out of nowhere. There was a report earlier, um, a couple of we a month ago maybe that was saying the Suns are planning on keeping Chris Paul. They mm-hmm. don't want to trade him, and that boom out of nowhere, it's reported that they're uh, waving him. So I want to go where makes sense for him, and I know there's probably a handful of teams that could use. I should say championship ready teams that could use like a veteran uh, floor general like Chris Paul. But right away, the Lakers stuck out in my mind. Like, they had D'Angelo Russell, who was terrible in the postseason. Obviously, he's a free agent. Do they bring him back? I would bet probably not, but I'm not sure. Chris Paul, obviously, is friends with LeBron. Um, it just seems like Chris Paul to the Lakers makes the most sense right now. Yeah, off the bat, immediately seems like it makes the most sense, um, especially when you factor in, like, all the moving pieces that the Lakers have. 
this offseason, if you can grab Chris Paul on a minimum, they would probably give him like a little bit more than a minimum, but you're going to end up signing Austin Reeves to about $100 million when somebody offers him that type of contract and the Lakers have to match it. They have Rui Hachimura that they can bring back, especially if they don't bring back D'Angelo Russell and they bring Chris Paul in on a very small deal. And this could actually be like a blessing for the Lakers in reality because if – I mean, I I think you could expect Chris Paul to put up like similar production to D'Angelo Russell still at this stage in his career. I mean, they both really won't do anything for you on the defensive end of the ball. But offensively, Chris Paul will still bring you elite passing and just being able to run the floor for that Lakers team. Like there was a lot of stretches this year where the Lakers had Austin Reeves running point guard. And like he he did very well in that role, honestly, watching him. But it was it's. Like you said, the Lakers definitely make a a ton of sense for Chris Paul, and I, I it would be interesting to see what teams, what other teams are interested in him, and how much and where he actually wants to go at this stage in his career. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the Lakers make the most sense. Just a couple of the teams I want to throw out there. I think the Celtics make a ton of sense as well. Um, I think they struggled, especially against Miami, and I mean for most of that Philly series too where they just didn't have a true point guard. I know Marcus Smart is great at his role, but I've always considered him more of a two than a one. I agree. Um, I've always said I don't think they're going to win a championship with Marcus Smart as their main point guard. I know they kind of brought in Brogdon. Didn't really work out. So I think the Celtics make sense. The Bucks, the Clippers, um, all championship teams. I know the Clippers hasn't worked out for them, but – it wouldn't cyber union would not shock me one bit actually right yeah i think the clippers make a lot of sense as well wow yeah i mean chris paul is definitely going to be an interesting name on the market for what shouldn't be a lot of money unless teams get into a bidding war for him but i don't know how many people are necessarily going to be bidding on a trying to outbid others on a 38 year old chris paul right now but yeah, in all, in all likelihood, it's going to be a very small deal because he's still going to be getting paid $30 million in the next two years from the Phoenix Suns. So, right. going to be. And that's, that's yeah. an important thing to point out. Chris Haynes reported that he was waived. There's no buyout agreement or anything that has been reported. So, the Suns are still going to owe him that money, which therefore means Chris Paul can sign for a lesser deal than his market value, I guess. I mean, I'm not really sure what his fair market value is right now. He's definitely declined, injury-prone, older. But with him getting that money that Joe said from the Suns these next two years, a minimum deal or close to a minimum is definitely not too far-fetched. Absolutely. Because like I said, we saw it with guys who had bigger deals and got bought out, like a Nick Batum when he was bought out and he went to the Clippers and he's been playing on like minimums or like MLEs type contracts for the Clippers the last couple of years Blake Griffin he was bought out by the Pistons and he signed with both he signed with the Nets for a minimum then he signed with the Celtics for a minimum so it's it's definitely going to be an interesting situation to see how much money Chris Paul would be able to garner on open market and also there's a difference in the Chris Paul situation in that he's going in the offseason now these guys were trying to hop onto teams onto contenders mid-season like that don't have a lot of money. So, I mean, there are going to be teams out there with some money that might want a Chris Paul in their building and might be able to give a little bit more than a minimum. So it's, it, it should be, his market is definitely going to be the most interesting one out of everything this off season. Cause really pe- teams are going to have to gauge, like, I mean, like 
probably I'm not exactly sure who else is out there, but outside of like Kyrie Irving and James Harden, but like a D'Angelo Russell type player, he's probably still going to get about 15 plus million. I don't think anybody's really giving Chris Paul 15 million, especially after he just got bought out of that contract. So we'll see how highly teams value a veteran like Chris Paul on in at this stage of his career with this type of opportunity. Yes, definitely wild, unexpected. Honestly, Joe, it fucked up everything I wanted to do with the podcast today. <laughs> like it literally, like I had, I had everything planned, and it literally just fucked up everything I wanted to talk about. I mean, obviously, we we're gonna pivot, but this just changes so much in the NBA. Um, we'll cover coaches at the end of this, since this is a player-driven league. And now, let's. I thought I had like the Suns are in need of a point guard now. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant reunion. Does it make sense? There was a report earlier in the week from Shams and Chris Haynes that Kyrie was trying to recruit LeBron to the Mavs. The Lakers kind of shot it down with one of their beat reporters. I think it was an athletic reporter. I'm not positive on that. Stating that the Mavs don't have any assets the Lakers are interested in. There is all the stuff with Kyrie that he had a handshake deal with the Mavs. It was one reporter said that. Another reporter said he never had a handshake deal with the Mavs. So another domino, Kyrie. Does the Suns make sense for him? The Mavs would probably have to take DeAndre Ayton on in the trade. Like, what is the latest with Kyrie, in your opinion? Who knows? Like, I, I think I said this on another podcast, but like, I'm done trying to guess what Kyrie Irving is going to do. <laughs> like, like, everybody thought, okay, it was going to be the Mavs or he'll end up in a sign-and-trade to the Lakers or the Suns are probably a far-fetched possibility just because of the Chris Paul contract and DeAndre Ayton. Well, now Chris Paul is gone. The Su- the Mavericks want a pair of se- a center with Luka. Um, it would make sense in a sign-and-trade, but, like, what else would the Suns be able to, like, give the Mavs for – well, I mean, really, it's going to be a sign-and-trade, so it wouldn't they really wouldn't be able to give that much. But – like man, like that. I mean, it would make sense. It would make a ton of sense, but and it would be a fun thing to watch. But then it would also have it would leave the Suns in a very similar situation to other super teams that we've seen in the last couple of years. You'll have three guys on like thirty million dollar plus deals, and you'll have to find a way to get other quality players on the roster. And that was the issue with the Suns this year. It's like you they just didn't have the depth to keep up behind KD and Booker. Yeah. It, they might be self-handicapping themselves by doing that. I mean, they're in a situation where they probably would be smarter to go get, like, say, two or three guys on lower contracts that would help them win surrounding Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. And But, I mean, would you really blame him? Again, they traded for Kevin Durant because they have the new owner in the building and he wanted to make a big splash. And now he's going into his full first season as an owner next year. What bigger splash can you make than bringing both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to town before going into your first full season as an NBA owner. Joe, I just real quick want to stop you there. I had to uh, Matt Ishbia. I think I said his name correct. Yes, Obviously yeah. the new owner of the Phoenix Suns. He's been the owner for what? Five months, six months, roughly. Yeah. So far he has traded for Kevin Durant. He has fired Monty Williams. One of the top three, most winningest head coaches in the last, I think three seasons. Five. And now he has, in that five seasons, yeah, and now he has waved straight up waved Chris Paul out of nowhere. So making a splash, being aggressive. I don't think he gives a shit about the new CBA with all the new tax shit. I'm pretty sure you lose your MLE if you go above a certain tax threshold. I don't think he cares one bit. 
So the Kyrie thing is definitely something to keep an eye on. He's obviously super, super, super aggressive. It sure does seem that way. I mean, that's the thing. All these new owners, they come into sports and they want to make a huge splash on like what they're acquiring. Like they want to see return on their investment immediately in terms of like merchandise sales, ticket sales, everything like that. Cause I mean, in reality, you just probably, however much you bought the Suns for probably like four and a half billion dollars. Like you, you want to get a return on that investment fairly quick. So it would not shock me one bit to see Kyrie Irving end up there, but um, oh my god! Again, I I have no clue what Kyrie wants to do at this point. The, guy's, <laughs> the guy, instead of saying yeah, I'll go to LA, he wants to get LeBron to leave LA and try to have somehow get, turn Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleber, and Reggie Bullock into LeBron in a trade. Like yeah, that'll work. Yeah, I mean that was like gonna be my main talking point because like that's just. It was crazy to me to think like he's gonna be able to pry LeBron away from the Lakers, but no. obviously they have they have that connection. Yes, they have the previous connection, so it's like yes, LeBron trusts him, all that. But it's like, like LeBron does not want to leave LA. His son just committed to USC. He's gonna be in the league one year from now, and LeBron also, on top of all that, he makes fifty million dollars. When you look at the contract, right. when you look at the contracts on the Mavericks, you would need like all four of Reggie Bullock, Dwight Powell. Um, uh, Maxi Kleber and like JaVale McGee, and that's not enticing at all. So then, on top of that, you probably have to throw in like Jaden Hardy and Josh Green, and like the that's like six players for one type <laughs> thing. And like, and like, okay, like I'm sure they would maybe get like one other thing back from the Lakers, and then you would have to throw throw all the picks for again, like a 38 year old entering year 20 who's contemplating retirement. <laughs> like, bro, like what kind of situation is that, Kyrie? If you really want to play with LeBron, go to LA. <laughs> yeah man it's it's crazy um another big superstar i want to touch on real quick because i mean in the middle of all this we like you said i think like your first opening whatever we are tied 1-1 in the nba finals with game three being played tonight in miami so yep. let's really quickly talk about damian lillard um there's been a lot of talk around the trailblazers in general I want to say all off season, but we're still in the NBA season technically. Um, let's talk about what Dame first said on a podcast last night. Do you remember which podcast it was, Joe? By chance, like whose podcast it was? Um, shoot. I gotta go look. All right. Well, you go. While you go look. Go check right now. Okay. Yeah. So while Joe's looking at that. I just want to talk about what Dame said. So he was asked um, if he was to be traded, like where he'd want to go, basically. And his quotes or what he said was, Miami's the obvious choice, um, stating that Bam is his dog. And then he went on to say that Brooklyn is another obvious choice because Mikel Bridges is his dog. And he would go on to state that both of those teams have pieces that he would need to be able to have like a puncher's chance to compete. Um, he was asked about Miami, Brooklyn, New York, and Boston, and his response was Miami, obviously, and then Brooklyn, obviously. In addition to that, C.J. McCollum was on first take this morning, and he said if he was a betting man that he would say this is the last we've seen of Damian Lillard in Portland. He went on to say he does not believe Dame will like force his way out, kind of like Kevin Durant tried to do but he thinks that the organization will just realize they have all these young pieces. They have the number three pick. It's kind of time to move on. Yeah, for sure. So the podcast he was on, it was the last stand podcast with Brian Custer. 
So, uh, and he, and yes, he said he named those two teams specifically. So Boston and New York, sorry about it. Dame doesn't really want to go there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, well, Dame doesn't want to go anywhere. Allegedly. He keeps saying how much he loves Portland. He doesn't want to leave Portland, but it's like, dog, like it's time. You're not, nobody's going to judge you at this point. Like, right. <laughs> oh boy, you've done your time. That's what I'm saying. Like at, at one point there was judgment. Like if like stars were to leave their franchise, but like, bro, I get it. You like the city, but like, bro, get out of there and use your talent to win while you can. Um, because you don't want to be in a Chris Paul situation where then you're getting cut by one team every other year and and getting shipped off to places that are rebuilding and then having a contender trade for you. So it's it's like it's a tough spot, you know. Um, I I still am not sure if Dame is going to get traded. It would probably be in his best interest to get traded. Um, I probably see the Heat as like the best option. They could probably throw in Tyler Hero. And some other pieces to get to get Dame on the team. I'm not sure exactly what they have because like they have a bunch of guys going into free agency this summer. Um, but he said Bam is his dog, so he wouldn't be included. And you could form a team of Dame, Jimmy, and Bam. Uh, that that I think that would be fun to watch for sure. Um, that way, it takes a lot of the load off Jimmy because they haven't really had that other ball ball handling guy that could really take uh, the team to the next level next to Jimmy. Whoa, Joe, you're throwing shade at my boy Kyle Lowry right now? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> he, I also, real quick, I just want to say something. You said it would be probably in Dame's best interest if they trade him. I want to say it would also be in the Trailblazers' best interest if they were to trade him. No, like, they, they aren't competing with this roster. They don't even have a chance. Like, they've been one of the worst teams in the NBA recently, and – doesn't seem like anyone's really biting on that number three pick. I mean, Brooklyn's made it very noted that they won't trade Mikel Bridges for it. I know the other option is Pascal Siakam out in Toronto. Um, it really depends who's available at three, and that's kind of tough to gauge for these teams. Like, Scoot Henderson, I think, could be an all-star point guard caliber player. That's, like, yeah, could really be, like, generational, like, take your team to the next level for whatever amount of time. But is he even going to be available at their pick? You don't know. So it's like it was, really report, it was reported today that Brandon Miller, that the Hawks are leaning Brandon Miller at number two. So take that for what it's worth. But if the Scoot Hornets. Is there, yes. But yeah. if Scoot Henderson is there at three. And yeah. and then you want to, then he's best player available. And like all the other best top guys in the draft are also like guards or off ball guards. Like, Right. So, like, at that point, it's like, go to your full rebuild. You have Anthony Simons locked up. You can draft a generational point guard in Scoot Henderson, trade Dame for more assets, and then continue the rebuild. They're like, if they are set up with Anthony Simons and Scoot Henderson with guys like Shangun on their roster. Oh, no, wait, that's the Rockets. I'm all over. <laughs> Sorry. I'm th- the Rockets are all over the place for me, too. They're deep in my brain right now. But, like, you, they have, they have other pieces on that roster. You could flip Nurkic for maybe a first-round pick. Um, and some other assets. There's there's a lot there's a lot that they can do to make this team go into a rebuild and turn it around very quickly to be a competitive team. Yeah, I mean they have around trading the 35 year old. Shaden Sharp is another big piece. They have young yes. good player that they have uh, made it. They have put it out there in the media that he won't be available in any trade. 
So they have a bunch of young pieces. I, they got to give up on Dame. So I think we both agree with that. Will they ultimately do it? Are they too stubborn? Is Dame too stubborn to force his way out? I don't think – I don't see Dame forcing his way out. And CJ McCollum said that. Obviously, he played with Dame. He said he just got sushi with Dame last week, so they're still good friends. If he doesn't see Dame forcing his way out, then I'm going to trust CJ McCollum. But the Trailblazers, do the right thing. Move Dame. Free the man. Like, save your franchise. Go into a rebuild. Absolutely. I completely agree. I feel like it's just so evident now more than ever that it's like the perfect time to trade him because there will be teams that are content that are like one piece away that will pull the trigger on it and they will give you a whole lot of assets for it to launch you into the year the next chapter of your franchise. Yeah, they have a, a lot of good pieces on that team already, but they could really take themselves to the next level in a couple of years if they rebuild around Simons and say Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller. And Jaden Sharp. Jaden Sharp, yeah. Yeah, I think we agree with that. Um, real quick, because like I said, I want to get to the finals soon. Like, Yeah, we do. Um, yeah. Let's just talk about the Team USA commits so far for the 2023 FIBA World Cup. Yeah. Um, so we have Brooklyn Nets player Mikel Bridges, New York Nick Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards of the Blazers, Tyrese Halliburton of the Pacers, Ingram of Brandon Ingram of the Pelicans, Darren Jackson Jr. of the Grizzlies, Bobby Portis of the Bucks, and Austin Reeves of most likely the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, there are four remaining roster spots. Joe, they have not filled those yet, correct? Oh. You have not seen anything for the last four spots. It's just those eight so far. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they got to add some size, right? Like. <laughs> A lot of guards and wings in that. Like, they need to add some size to the roster. So all they have is Bobby Portis there. That's about it. Right. Yeah. So, those are the eight right now. Um, mostly young players. Obviously very talented. Bobby Portis kind of – how even old is Bobby Portis now? I don't even know. I feel like he's been around forever. But uh, well, He feels like he's been around forever, but he's probably like 28. Hold yeah, on. he's 28. And he's like the veteran of the oh. team at 28. So, I just – Oh, my God. So, I mean – Good roster, talent, young, should be scrappy, want to prove something. So, I mean, those those are the eight so far. I think they need to add some size. Hopefully they will add some size. Any other thoughts on that, Joe? I could, I could see a guy like Miles Turner committing to Joe. Yeah. Um, and that would that would be great for Team USA for sure. Um, what about like a – I know we're not standing. What about like a Nicholas Claxton? Does he make sense? Yeah, I mean that would be that would be fun to see him like roll with a lot of the guys on that team. Honestly, yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a couple other young guys. Like I mean, like but a lot of there's like a large portion of like the centers in the NBA are foreign. <laughs> so it's like right. when you really look at it, like you think of guys. Like I'm trying to think of people, and I'm thinking I immediately go, okay, Jokic, no, Embiid, no, right. <laughs> no, Vucevic, no, Sabonis, no. I'm like, damn, like there's. <laughs> There's, yeah. we're, we're low on options over here for it. Yeah, so, I mean, that's something to keep an eye on as well. Um, lastly, I want to touch on the coaching hires. I don't think me and Anthony really got to any of these on our last episode because most of them have happened within the last week. Yeah. So, Frank Vogel, Phoenix Suns, kind of out of nowhere surprised me. Yeah. Um, I don't know what your thoughts were. You, I don't think anyone was expecting Frank Vogel to be honest with you, but I thought we, I thought the whole time that Nick Nurse was going to be the guy for yep. the Suns, and I believe we both agreed on that. 
and then um and then he ends up going to Philly obviously so there's another one that we can get out of the way Nick Nurse agreed to be Philly's head coach of the future and then the Suns take on Frank Vogel who yep. else we Monty Williams goes to Monty the- Williams to Pistons that's a good hire for the Pistons I think there's a lot of there's a lot of young talent there Monty could help out a lot like you've heard like the guys um like we heard firsthand how how good um Monty Williams is with like younger talent and helping them get acclimated and learning their roles because you because we heard it all season firsthand from Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson and how they and how he really helped them as they developed further and further into the league. Um, what what else we have? That's it. I think I think we covered the rest. I am um... Adrian Griffin. The last time we talked. Yep. So that's it. So Doc Rivers is still out there. <laughs> <laughs> right. The only opening is the Raptors, correct? I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I do just want to say Monty Williams got the largest contract ever for a head coach in the NBA. It was five years for like $72 million, I believe it was. Um, I think I, I just had it up in front of me. I, it was definitely $72 million. I can't remember. Six years. Oh, six years, $72 million contract. Nice, nice. Good. Payday. Honestly, good for him. Like yeah. Detroit's got young talent. Monty Williams deserves to be in the NBA still as a head coach. I don't think he should have been fired from Phoenix. So honestly, good for Monty Williams. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, I think it might be time. All right, one more thing, real quick. Um, Adam Silver hinted that the NBA will turn to expansion after media rights discussion next spring. So that'll be something to keep an eye on next year. Um, I'm assuming they would have to expand two teams. Cities that come to mind right off the bat for me are obviously Vegas and bringing a team back in Seattle. Yeah, um, Those would be the two cities that would make most sense to me. I'm sure there will be plenty of cities that are trying to get into the NBA. Bring mm-hmm. a team to Har- Hartford, please, Adam Silver. Just kidding, it'll never happen, but <laughs> Vegas, all, all this, Seattle. The two, cities, the two cities for the NBA that have been pegged for a long time have been Vegas and Seattle. Yep. Uh, the other place that a lot of people seem to be wanting to go right now is Nashville, but there already is a team in Tennessee right now. So that's probably not likely that Tennessee isn't necessarily that big of a market to have two teams. Um, but yeah, Vegas and Seattle clearly make the most sense. I'm sure everybody would love to see the Sonics back into the fold and Vegas is, has become a great sports city over the, over the past couple of years. Um, and like the Oakland athletics are moving to Vegas and the MLB in a couple of years, Vegas golden Knights are obviously for hockey and the Stanley cup finals right now for the second time in like a four year existence kind of thing. And then um, the Raiders, the Oakland Raiders just moved to Vegas and they, they've become, they got a new stadium and it's, they've had a lot of uh, media attention and a lot of, Big time players head over there, notably Devontae Adams. But like there's there's Vegas is a great market for the NBA to get into. And then getting a team back in Seattle would be awesome. Yeah. I agree. One last thing. I forgot. I missed. Add on. Shams today. I think it was today. This has been a crazy freaking week. <laughs> but I think it was today. Shams reported that James Harden is seriously torn between returning to Philadelphia or returning to Houston. So, I mean, Harden, unrestricted free agent. He's either going back to Philly or he's going to Houston. Those are two destinations. Joe, real quick, 
real quick. Let's make this real quick. Yes or no? Could James Harden and Chris Paul team back up in Houston? No. Okay. Good answer. I think that's a no as well. I just wanted to put it out there. All right. Let's actually get into the basketball that's been happening because, yes, like I said, we are the middle of the NBA Finals, beginning of the NBA Finals, whatever you want to say. Um, 1-1 is tied right now between the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. Honestly, I'm shocked that the Miami Heat won a game in Denver. I didn't think they were going to get swept, but the Nuggets haven't lost in Denver since, like, March 30th, Joe. And before that, they didn't even have Nikola Jokic that game. They haven't lost a game in Denver that Jokic played in since March 12th. That's insane. And we are in June. Like, (laughs) it's not like we're at the end of April, like, beginning of May. Like, we are in June right now. Yeah, and they played a lot of games at home. Like, <laughs> like it's not like, like they played a lot of games at home. They've had home court advantage throughout the entire playoffs. So yeah. <laughs> they've won the first two games of every, of four series leading up to to this series, and like, and then obviously that includes some of the regular season as well. But like, my God, it is nuts over there. And like, there was a big uh, conversation piece about how the the Heat went to seven in the previous series, and then. The Nuggets had 10 days off, and then the Heat had to go right to Denver, adjust to the altitude over there, which is a very real thing. Like, the altitude oh, yeah. Denver, it's like, I don't think people, like, people, like, they people obviously are aware of it, but, like, listening to athletes speak about it all week, former athletes that have played in Denver, like, I believe it was um, Adam Pacman Jones, former NFL player, he said he was, like, he was a Cincinnati bet when he was playing in Cincinnati and they went to Denver. Geno Atkins, one of like the game's most dominant defensive tackles for a time, he just refused to play in Denver because he couldn't. <laughs> <be>. <laughs> like, like the Bengals were out here paying this man like a lot of money, and he just like decided like, no, I can't play, I won't play because the air would just mess him up so much. So like that's a very real thing, and like the fact that they were able to go through all that, they lost game one obviously, and they go in and take game two obviously with. And Jimmy Butler didn't have it, hasn't had any of his best games so far. So it's, it's, it was definitely a surprise to see them take a game this early in the series. Cause I thought, like you said, they might take one at home. But, but yeah, that was, that was huge for Miami. Now they get to go back for back to back games at home starting tonight. Yeah, I mean, I've said this before, and I still think it's true, though. I think in order for Miami to have any chance at winning this series, they have to shoot the lights out of the ball. And, I mean, we kind of saw that in games one and two. So, game one, obviously, they fell in Denver. They lost 104 to 93. They shot 13 of 39 from three. That's 33%. Then we go to game two. They win 111 to 108. They shoot 17 of 35. That's 48.6%. And I mean, that's the difference right there. Like Denver was 11 of 28. So they knocked down six more threes than Denver. And it's going to take that kind of effort for me in order for them to have a chance. Like the role players, when they help off onto Jimmy, like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, uh, et cetera, Martin, they got to knock down the open shots. Even Kyle Lowry was two of three. I think that's what it's going to take. As well. What did you say? Yeah, Duncan Robinson was great in the fourth quarter of game two. I can't believe I forgot that. I think he scored like 11 points or something. Yeah, he was he was going nuts. Or no, sorry. He had 10 points. All 10 came in the fourth quarter. Yes. 
incredible. He he was shooting the lights out of the ball, and that's what and that's what we said from the jump. We said that even going back to the Celtics series for them to be able to close the series out in Game Seven, that they that we needed um, they needed big contributions from Bam Adebayo, and they needed to shoot the lights out of the ball. And that's Bam Adebayo has been great, obviously, throughout the first two games of these NBA Finals. Uh, going up against Nikola Jokic, he's he's done fantastic. This is the best basketball he's played throughout the playoffs so far uh, in these back-to-back games. Um, the Heat need that to continue. They need Jimmy Butler to get back to his, like, I don't give a shit, I'm going to score the ball no matter what you try to do mentality. And they need all the supporting guys to continue shooting the hell out of the ball to be able to have a chance. But you can't, you can't contain Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. and, like, all the other – fantastic role guys they have over there forever right and i mean the joker in game two had 41 points on 16 to 28 shooting and a loss so did you see that stat they're zero and three in the last three games that Jokic just scored 40 points i did see that <laughs> that's ridiculous it's insane and they're actually eric spolster was asked about it yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can't remember what was it Ramona Shelburne. Ramona Shelburne, yeah. Yeah, so she asked Spolstra, like, oh, are you guys trying to make Jokic more of a scorer as opposed to a passer? Something along those lines. And he went off saying that's <laughs> only the case for, like, an untrained eye. Jokic is a phenomenal, one of the best players. Like, you can't stop him. <laughs> so, I mean. Eric Spolstra essentially said, don't ask stupid fucking questions. <laughs> yeah, or he basically said, don't give away our goddamn game plan right now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean. And I just want to say, Joe, so I know the last time we spoke, Tyler Hero was rumored to maybe be coming back for game three. Obviously, he did not play in game one or two, and he is officially ruled out for game three tonight in Miami. Yeah, it's it's tough. But um, he also said himself, like, he doesn't want to rush back just to, like, not be, like, able to contribute at the level that he wants and mess up the flow that the team has going right now. Yeah. I mean, like, like I you you did your job right now. You split on the road to start the series. Yeah. You're in the best position you could really ask for right now. So if you right. go game three and then like if a couple extra days of rest will help Tyler Hero be better for for game four, maybe game five, when you're potentially in a tie series, and then it's a three-game series and you can get a, a guy like Tyler Hero back in your lineup, like that would be huge. But right now I think it's smarter to just keep him out, let him continue to – hopefully be able to get himself back later in the series and just keep whatever groove the team has going right now until it breaks. If it's don't, don't try to fix it until something's broken. Yeah. I think I said, I can't remember if I said it with you or Anthony, but I was like, if you split or steal a game in Denver, like how do you bring him back? And it's no knock on Tyler hero, like to be thrown back into the middle of the NBA finals after you haven't played basketball because you were hurt. And and what did he get hurt in game three of round one or game two? Something like it that? was early. Yeah, it was early. Because yeah. I remember everyone was like, oh, he'll be one. back by the yeah. finals. And everyone laughed like, oh, they're not going to make it to the finals. He's done for the season. Like, it was early in yeah. uh, round one. Yeah, exactly. Because I remember saying that myself. Because I was I was watching <laughs> the game with a Heat fan. They were like, and then the next day they were like, well, Hero could be back for the finals. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Wait, Joe, you don't know ball? Is that what you're trying to tell oh, me? I, I, had my, I had Miami going all the way from the beginning, man. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So once again, game three is tonight. Um, It's Wednesday, June 7th. 
tonight in Miami. Of course, we're tipping off at 8.30 because the NBA hates the East Coast, doesn't want us to get any rest. Yeah. Um, anything we missed, Joe? I It was... There was a lot, but I think we got the majority of it. <laughs> Action-packed. It's been about a week since we last recorded. We've just – I've been super busy. But I think we touched up on a majority of the main topics, once again, being everything blown away by Chris Paul randomly being waved by the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, and, like, this wasn't an emergency pod. We were record. We were planning to record, like, at the time we were recording, and then, like, five minutes – literally five minutes before it happened, right. Chris Paul – got released so and it, it just it just changes everything because now the suns needed a point guard i don't think they're starting campaign on opening night i don't think kevin durant went to phoenix no offense to campaign to have him be a starting point guard so that messes up the whole Kyrie thing with him trying to recruit lebron which then means is chris paul now want to play with lebron in la where does that leave d'angelo russell like it just changes the entire landscape of the nba by one player Who's not an all-star anymore. Like, he's not a top – I don't even think he's a top 30 player in the NBA anymore. But but he's a starting point guard in the league. Right. And he's a veteran yeah. with the IQ that not many people in the history of our game have ever had. So, right. like, that's a huge move for this offseason in general. And it's it's going to be interesting to see how, like, the whole point guard dominoes fall throughout this offseason. And, like, another note is, like, the Suns don't have their picks. So it's like, that's another thing. It's not like you really have the assets to go out and trade for more because you completely gutted your depth by trading for Kevin Durant. Now you waive Chris Paul. Your last trade piece is DeAndre Ayton, who your coach is already saying that, like, he can't wait to coach. So I don't know. It's it's a lot of dominoes that are going to fall. And now a lot of the offseason is going to hinge on what happens with the Phoenix Suns. Joe, I mean, I feel like we could say that for – a bunch of several teams. teams in the NBA, the Blazers. I mean, even the Celtics. Like, who knows what's going to yeah. happen with the Celtics? Do the, the Raptors Blazers, blow it up? Blazers, the Raptors, the Celtics, the Rockets, the Nets, the the Suns. Like, there's so many teams with like pieces that other teams can use, and so many players in unsure situations. Like the Bulls. Do the Bulls blow it up? Do the Timberwolves yeah. break up? Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. Like, it's going to be a crazy offseason, and we will be here for all of it. Yeah. Anything else, Joe? Oh man, I'm I'm excited to watch this game tonight. I'm not excited for basketball to end, but again, NBA does not stop. There will be some other wild news happening. I'm sure <laughs> next time we record, or by the next time, but or before the end of the finals is even over. So, so we'll we'll be here for all of it. Joe, we could stop this podcast right now. I could get it posted, and then, like, literally a minute later, some more breaking news can happen to him just to piss me off. But yeah, you know that's going to happen, right? <laughs> but all right, Joe. Uh, so once again, finally, game set or sorry, game three tonight in Miami, eight thirty p.m. Let's wrap up here, Joe. Thank you for listening to the Scoop on Hoops NBA podcast. Please subscribe, like, comment, and share. We greatly appreciate all the support. Until next time, bye-bye.